Welcome to the Sweet Tea and Palm Trees podcast. I am your co-host, Brittany. And this is Jennifer. We are Amazon Prime obsessed mothers who connected on social media and live on opposite ends of the country. Join us every Monday to see what happens when Alabama collides with California. Welcome back to part two of our motherhood series. So if you didn't tune in last week, we kind of got into our birth stories, which was kind of not expected, but we got such good feedback on the last episode. And I did want to bring something up. When I was listening back to it, it kind of sounded like I wasn't sympathetic to Jen's birth experience. And I just want to put that out there, Jen, that that is not the case at all. I feel so terrible that you had such a bad experience. I don't know if it's just because this is what I do for a living. In your field of expertise, that's just a normal routine. Many people have C-sections. And that was something that, you know, you said in the last episode when we were speaking personally afterwards, you said that it's a blessing that we have modern medicine to be able to do that and keep the baby healthy and safe. And I think that I haven't sat down and thought about that or given it any more thought to being grateful for that because it could have went left. I actually have a few friends who have been through situations with C-sections and their recovery process was 10 times worse than mine. And that's not to discredit how I felt about it, but I think that it was time for me to obviously talk about that publicly and also to realize that it could have been a lot worse and I should be grateful that my son is here healthy. So I'm glad we had the conversation and I did not feel that way whatsoever. So thank you for that. I did not feel that way whatsoever. And you know, I still love you. So on to the second part of motherhood. I know that obviously being an LND nurse and delivery was something that you were familiar with, but not physically having a child is something you were familiar with. So tell me about your first year and how that was for you. Yeah. So I always said I can get through the first three days because then we send the patients home (laughs) and then I don't really know what to do with them. I don't know. I felt like moving into motherhood, I I was fine. You're going to have those postpartum hormones that are going to kick in. I was telling Jennifer that I didn't think that I ever wanted to breastfeed. Like I never thought I wanted to breastfeed. But I don't know what it was. Those postpartum hormones took over and all of a sudden I was like a frantic, crazy breastfeeder, like trying to breastfeed. And Willow was severely tongue-tied. She could not even stick her tongue out. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I would bring it up to every pediatrician that would come in and check her out when, when we were at the hospital. And nobody really kind of cared, right? They're like, oh, yeah, well, she's breastfeeding fine. She's gaining weight. You're not sore, so on and so forth. And so they just kind of let it go. And Willow really could not stick out her tongue. Like, I will have to send you a photo because it was so sad to look back on now. And I I just couldn't get over it. And every doctor's appointment, I would bring it up and I would like tell the pediatrician and Chris would almost kind of get mad at me because he'd always be like, what are you trying to make something wrong with our daughter? They're not concerned. You know, you know, your motherly instincts. And I just knew that something was wrong. And so I posted a, it was like a boomerang or something when Willow was a month old and she couldn't stick out her tongue. And at this time I had already kind of gone past that. I I felt bad for her, but I didn't know what I was going to do because every doctor kept telling me, oh, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. And one of my friends said, had mentioned, oh, wow, she's really tongue tied. And she ended up putting me in this like support group page, which was like a 
of course, I'm going to like, like be researching all of this stuff. And I made an appointment for like the next day and we drove two hours away to like go get her tongue untied. And the doctor had said that, that was probably one of the worst cases that he ever saw. And it's so bad that her tongue, the tip of her tongue is actually a little heart, but it's cute. It has a little heart. And I don't even know where I'm going on this story, but that was the first month or so. I I ended up buying so many pumps and just did all of the things. And I was telling Jennifer, when I look back at it now, like my next baby, I don't even think I would want to try to breastfeed because I almost didn't feel like myself. So I breastfed until four months, four and a half months until I went back to work. And the first day back to work, we were crazy busy. I couldn't get take a pump break. And that was the day I ended it. Because if any of you guys are breastfeeders or pumpers, you know that when you have to pump, you have to pump. And I just knew I could not go back to work with maybe the possibility of not being able to pump. And I quit right that first day. And I tell you, I did not feel like myself until after I quit breastfeeding. Is that crazy? No, I really look up to you because you're such a go with the flow person. I aspire to have the natural instinct of just flowing into whatever life brings you. That's what I aspire to be. So thank you for being that role model for me. But I didn't feel like I was that that first like couple months. I, I remember I wouldn't, wouldn't even want to really leave the house because the anxiety of like, where am I going to feed my baby if she needs to eat? What if I'm like leaking everywhere? So I felt like I stayed home a lot. But I remember the last episode that you said that you had a really good experience. Yeah, for my experience with breastfeeding, it was just beautiful in the hospital. And it was just so natural for me. And I don't think I started pumping until probably a week and a half or two weeks into Colta being born. But yeah, and then I about, I want to say around six weeks of breastfeeding, I developed an infection and it... Um, started to dry me up and I noticed that my supply was severely dropping. And so that's when it became not so fun because I was up every hour and a half to two hours pumping my life away. Yeah. When you could be sleeping. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But this also goes back to the fact that you can plan all day, but there's just certain science and your body is just so finicky. It's so different for each person, each experience. And mine just so happened to be an infection that I developed. And that's kind of where my journey ended. Everyone kept trying to turn me away from it. And I just kept doing it, kept trying it. And by that point, I think it was just a little bit too late. I mean, I was literally getting like half an ounce per pumping. It was just not happening. Yeah, not worth it at that point. No, we quit and swapped a formula. And yes, that is the most expensive thing ever. So that's my one takeaway of expense. Um, That was like the one thing that was worth it to me. I'm saving money, but yeah, true. (laughs) But how was that sleep? the first like couple months though. <laughs> yeah. You know how people always say sleep now, sleep now. Cause when you have a newborn, you're not going to be sleeping. Yeah. I don't know about you, but Willow's nights and days were mixed up and I thought I was going to die. She would be dead asleep during the day. And then at night she would be wide awake. It's not that she was ever crying. Like she, she never cried. She actually never cried until she turned a year old. And on her first birthday, she cried and she just hasn't stopped crying since. (laughs) But, and you know me, I am like a hardcore snoo lover. Like if you're going to buy anything for your baby, like the snoo bassinet is so worth it. Chris told me 
well, he didn't tell me. We talked about it together, obviously. But he told me, he said, I don't think we should get that snoo because it's so expensive. And I just was like, well, yeah, you're saying that because you're not going to be the one getting up in the middle of the night to feed. So the first probably four weeks, we went without that snoo and I couldn't take it anymore. Finally, I went on Facebook Marketplace and came home, put Willow in that snoo, and I swear my life has been changed ever since. I've heard about it and obviously seen it, but we didn't. We did not get one of those. But yeah, I am the exact same way. I have to have sleep. If you knew me in college, you knew that pulling an all-nighter was not for me. I just can't. I can't stay up late. I can't. I will fall asleep. I don't think I've ever in my life been able to pull an all-nighter. Oh, well, see, I can because I used to be a night nurse. So staying up at night isn't hard for me even now. My problem is, is getting up in the morning. I cannot get up in the morning. And so that's one thing that I was super terrified of, of having a kid, because I always see people like saying, oh, my kids was up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or all these things. And I'm like, oh, no, that cannot be my kid. And God to give me like a good baby the first time so that I keep having more. (laughs) But Willow does not wake up until at least eight o'clock every single day. So for that, I am so lucky. And it's so funny before Willow, I thought eight o'clock was really early. Oh, goodness. No, I'm a 5 a.m. person. Always have been. I used to do my workouts at 430 in the morning like that. Oh, no. I'm an early bird. I have to go to bed early at night. Like 10 p.m. is typically my sweet spot before baby, but I don't like to wake up in the night, but I can definitely wake up early in the morning. That's my thing. The first year for me was actually the actual best. Colton was the sweetest baby. He was so happy. He, I'm going to say the first probably 10 months. And then after that, we developed some health issues that that's where the stress kind of started. But the first 10 months were absolutely amazing. Um, He was just so good, even in public. Once we finally did go out, I think I started going out in public around probably four months. I was really scared to go out and get him sick in the first few months in flu season. So I think we waited until April to go somewhere, which is a very long time for me, considering I love people and being outside. But yeah, so it was really good and really enjoyable. He was so good in public. And I I think I started a small group that summer and that really helped me. And I did not work the first year. I'm very thankful to um, not have had to do that. Wow, that's really nice. Yeah. I started my YouTube with him. He was a really good sleeper. I think around, he started to sleep really well around three, four months. So that was super amazing. And then kind of after the first year is when we started to develop some health issues. And he's been in the hospital a few times this year. So I think that the first year was such a high that once we hit these health issues, it kind of reality kicked in that it's not all fun and games. Like it is going, you're going to have hard times with your children and that can look like a bunch of different things. And I feel like the rest of their lives, we're always going to be hitting new milestones and new things and experiences. Like when they get to dating and, you know, going to college, Which is not allowed. Yeah. Not till he's 40. And, um, I'm just kidding, but driving and obviously you know, puberty and mean kids in school. Like it's just, it's always going to be something that you're going to have to adapt to and learn how to deal with. So I definitely think it's just motherhood, but the first year for us was super, super exciting. And yeah, toddlerhood is, let me just say this, the first year, enjoy it, soak it in. Cause once toddlerhood hits, it is a completely different story. <laughs> It just is. Yeah, for me, like the first year, I was obsessed. 
every month we did a new destination for Willow to kind of celebrate her like new month. And if you don't know, me and Chris love to travel and we always wanted to travel with our kids. And we decided to celebrate her months every single month at a new destination. And so that was really fun. And it kind of, it actually helped us kind of get out of our comfort zone of just staying at home. I remember when it was time for our first month, I was just kind of dreading it because I was only four weeks out from a C-section. And at that time I was still breastfeeding and trying to figure out the pumping thing and just like packing all of the things. And I mean, it was a lot. And then when we got home from that adventure, I just felt, oh my gosh, we did that. And every single month it just kept getting easier and easier and better and better. So it was just, it was so much fun to be able to take her to these places that she's never going to remember, but that she'll have pictures of and that we did with her. And it was so fun. Some of the places that we went to, we had never been there before. So they were a first for all of us. And it was just like such sweet, sweet memories. And it kind of gave us something to look forward to every month to get us out of our like groundhog day, right? Like of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so for us, that was really, really exciting and fun. And it was, it's fun to look back and and look at all like how she grew from that year. But when Willow was six months old, that's when the pandemic hit. And so at that time it was then kind of changed because we still were trying to obviously keep up with the months, but trying to be smart about it and where we can go. And a lot of the plans that we once had were no longer, and we kind of had to improvise. And it was just different because then we all had to wear masks and Willow didn't leave the house for maybe three months. And at that time, that's like when kids are developing and seeing the world. And so now she's stuck at home, except when we went to the, our like destination, which was just like a turnaround trip. And I feel like that, I feel like almost in that sense, I was kind of a little bit robbed of her first year because there was so much that we wanted to do with her that we weren't able to. And even though we did do a lot still, I feel like there was still so much more, Um, especially like our parents weren't able to see her or my cousin you know, because you're social distancing. So I feel like that kind of put a damper on the first year. But then at the same time, I felt like it was kind of like a blessing in disguise almost and not the the pandemic, obviously, but being able to spend more time at home. Chris wasn't working, but I obviously still was since I'm in the hospital. But just to be able to have Chris home for, because I think he like went back to work for two months and then the pandemic hit. And so then he was home again. So he was pretty much home for her whole first year of life, which I feel like is unheard of, especially for dads. So I know that that's something that we're never, ever going to get back and And I'm really kind of appreciative of that. But I I just felt like every month that would go by, I'd be like, okay, this is my favorite month or this is my favorite month. Like, I don't know how anything is going to top this month. It just kept getting better and better and better. And it it still does, if that makes sense. But yeah, um, the first year for us was so good. Like, I really don't have any complaints. Once we got that snoo and she slept through the night, I feel like my whole life was changed and I can have 50 more. So, Chris, whenever you're ready, let's have a bazillion. (laughs) You can have them for both of us then. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would love it. 
like I knew I was going to love motherhood, but I didn't think that I was going to love it this much. And and I, I think it's just something that you can't really explain until you experiencing it. And I know everyone thinks that their kid is the best thing that's ever happened to the world. <laughs> and everybody is just so obsessed with their kids as they should be. Right. But I just, I didn't really think that it was going to be as good as it is. I love that. When he was smaller in the beginning, I remember being so scared that like every hour I would wake up and make sure he's breathing in his bassinet. Yeah. See, that's why I got the outlet. I would just stare at him and just make sure he was breathing. I didn't know that existed at the time, but I would just stare at him. I wasn't going to get it because I thought, oh gosh, I'm already spending like so much money. Like I, I feel like I needed everything, which I feel like I did. All of my purchases, I feel like were pretty, pretty needed. But the outlet was one of them for sure, because I was terrified of SIDS. And I, I think if I didn't get the outlet and something would have happened, I would have just beat myself up over it, especially because I knew that this device was available. And so when she would be sleeping in the snoo, I would be like, okay, is she okay? So I would just open my phone really quick and be able to see her heart rate and her O2 sats. And it was just life-saving. To end this episode, we wanted to give a few pieces of advice or whatever that's thoughtful and meaningful to someone who is expecting or a new mom. I don't really feel like I have any advice. I think that when you have your baby, you're going to do what's right for you, your baby, and your family. There's going to be a lot of people on the outside that are going to be giving you advice, trust me. But even now, <laughs> I was, um, Willow is, oh God, how old is she? 15 months. I, I also was never that person that understood why people would be like, when you would ask them how old their kid is, and they'd be like 17 months and be like, what the heck? Why, why don't they just say a year old? But now I get it. But um, so Willow's 15 months and I had posted a story on my Instagram right before we recorded this because I gave Willow a bottle and I was like, no shame in her bottle game. And so many people were like, take that away, take that away. And I, I guess you're supposed to take it away when they're a year old, but she likes it. And I feel like, why? We, why do I need to take it away from her when she gets it once a day? And it's something that she enjoys. So you're always going to be getting advice and you just got to do what's best for you and your baby because there's going to be a lot of outside noise you're going to figure it out. And your baby is your baby and nobody knows your baby like you and, and your partner. So you do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. So for me, I would say, I'm actually going to agree with what you just said. Trust your instincts. There are so many times when I knew something was wrong, as in the night that Colton had a febrile seizure, I knew something was off, but no one really listened to me. Kind of like your situation with the tongue tie. And I knew something was wrong. And then he had the febrile seizure less than probably 20 minutes after I said that out loud. So trust your instincts. You know your baby. I would say a second one would be to schedule time for you. If you're struggling with finding yourself after having a baby. I know we have had very different experiences, but I had a very hard time because I wasn't working. And I had really had nothing outside to kind of give me an escape when days were hard. So, and, and doesn't work really long hours. And so I would say to schedule time for yourself, even if it's just like five minutes waking up before your child, do something for you as well. And then this kind of goes back to the last episode as well with the planning and it's okay to have a plan, but I think that if we let expectations go, 
that and just accept what is happening and be thankful for the moment, I think that we would feel a lot more free. And I think that that's where I went wrong with my first pregnancy and first year with Colton is I just had all of these high expectations of I'm going to breastfeed to a year and I'm going to do this. And unfortunately, none of those things worked out, which is fine. I agree with that, especially when you try to make plans and people are like, oh, I can't do that because that's around nap time or I can't do that because the baby's on a schedule. And and for me, I understand because I, I sleep trained Willow and I would still try to do all of those things. Like she'll take a nap in the car seat or she'll take a nap in the stroller or I just didn't want to miss out on things just because she was needing to take a nap. And every kid is going to be different. For me, I feel like Willow is so go with the flow. So she was never really like it never really bothered her if we messed up our quote unquote schedule. That's one thing that I kind of did not ever do is really have a schedule because I didn't want my whole life to be so completely different. And and that is one thing that I am so proud of is that I still feel like I have fun. I still feel like I'm a fun girl. I still feel like I go out and do what I want to do. And Willow was just the brunching babe. Like she went to brunch with us all the time. Like even if she was taking a nap, she would take a nap on everybody else. I just didn't want to be such a completely different person than who I was before I had kids. Yeah. And now that you're saying that maybe a good piece of advice for someone who possibly, if you are listening and you're not a mom or married, hello, or with someone, hello. Um, But maybe a good piece of advice would be to find a partner that does care for you in your own time and your own space. Because I think that both of our husbands really allow that and help us with that. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope that you enjoyed and we will see you all next week.